Well, thank you, Jodie, for really reading that passage so well. I struggle terribly with the pronunciation of difficult names in the Bible. And so the email that I would dread to get is the one from John asking me to read Nehemiah chapter three. Good job. And as John said, today's reading feels like one of those examples of strange lists in the Bible that we might have come across. And we may well wonder why God has included this detail It reads like the credit list at the end of a film or the acknowledgements at the end of a book. But what's exciting about the Bible is that God uses it to speak to us, every single bit of it. And as I prepared this talk, I've been excited about how God can use this on the surface, mundane lists of tasks and names to speak to us as a church where we are in our story right now at the end of January 2021. God speaks to us in the Bible through narrative, through stories. And the book of Jeremiah, the book of Nehemiah is a great story. And it's worth a recap on the story so far. In chapter one, we meet Nehemiah, a man of some standing, a senior civil servant. And he's heard about the destruction of the state of Israel. And he's devastated. He's wept, he has fasted and he's prayed. He's repented before God and pleaded with God to support his vision for rebuilding the city. In chapter two, we see God at work and in control answering that prayer. Nehemiah's boss, King Artaxerxes, asks Nehemiah why he's looking so glum. And it's one of those deep breath moments. After a quick fire prayer to God, Nehemiah explains what's troubling him and makes his requests. And we see that those requests are granted. And as we left chapter two last week, Nehemiah has arrived in Jerusalem and he's surveying the destruction and developing a plan. And as he develops that plan, he gathers the Jewish community around him and he shares his vision. Nehemiah explains how faithful God has been. The vision he has and how that vision has been empowered by God. And in verse 18 of chapter two, we see their response. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. And this week in chapter three, we reach the build stage. Nehemiah is a great leader and he's a great administrator. And so it's no surprise that under God, he not only delivers an amazing construction project, but also delivers a fantastic final project report. And in chapter three, that's what we have. And it feels like one of those rare examples of grand designs on channel four, where the project runs to time and to budget. Every single stage of the building work is described in chapter three. The sheep gate, the fish gate, the detail on the beams, the doors, the bolts, the deshanar gate, the valley gate, the dung gate, the fountain gate, the roofs, the walls, the gardens, the accommodation quarters. And as we read this account, it's like one of those time-lapse films of a construction project building stage by stage. And detail is given on the various stages of the construction But more importantly, the project report captures the names of the people who stood up and stepped in. 
those who stepped out of their comfort zone to provide the manpower, the financial resources, the physical hands to bring the vision to reality. Perhaps you've been at a theatre that's been refurbished and individual contributions have been noted by brass plaques or, or chairs with, um, on chairs or with bricks in the building that have been scribed with names. Well, that is what's happening here. The project was not undertaken by one construction company as we're used to seeing on the, on the hoardings around development sites in London, but a collection of workers and teamwork through chapter three, the individuals, the tribes, the daughters, the goldsmiths, the perfume makers, the merchants, well, they're all detailed and called out. So back to our question, why does God include these lists in the Bible? He's showing how things get done. He's showing how he can make his visions come to life. And it's through his people. And as the Bible recalls this story of rebuilding, there are a couple of elements that really struck me as an encouragement to us, as another community under God who might be called to assist in a rebuilding. Firstly, there's a strong sense of collaboration in the team. The focus is on the goal. Resources are shared freely, skills come together, tribes come together, People of all ages come together. People of all backgrounds come together. And I suspect many of us will have had a time in our lives where we've seen a project with a strong sense of collaboration. And it's a joyful experience. For me, a highlight of my working life was working on the opening ceremony of the London Olympic Games. Thousands of people came together in an amazing spirit of collaboration. Musicians, actors, nurses, volunteer drummers, lighting designers, sound technicians, stunt experts, set designers, composers, caterers. And it was a reminder of me, to me of what can be achieved when a group of people with a shared vision and purpose get behind a vision. Secondly, in chapter three, we see a strong sense of unity. Nehemiah, we know, is a great lover of detail. And any of us who have been connected to big projects might have expected to read detail in the project report of where the project stalled, where internal politics, rivalry, the impact of our brokenness as people risked derailing the whole project. But you get a sense that those involved in the rebuilding project under God were too focused on the project to allow disunity to take hold. I don't know if you managed to watch the uh, inauguration of President Biden this past week. It was a ceremony that was full of hope and it felt deeply Christian. The invocation, the prayer calling on God's help was led by Father Leo O'Donovan. He's a close friend of the Biden family and he said this. Pope Francis has reminded us how important it is to dream together. By ourselves, he wrote, we risk seeing mirages, things that are not there. Dreams, on the other hand, are built together. Be with us, holy mystery of love, as we dream together. And the fact that we as a church are studying this account of, the re of a rebuilding project thousands of years ago in the Middle East actually feels very timely. And it feels timely for us as a church at this time. 
those of us who have been preparing uh, talks on this series in Nehemiah gathered at the start of the year to share our thoughts and our reflections on this story of the great administrator and, and leader Nehemiah. We were excited that this account of the rebuilding of Jerusalem comes at a time when we are thinking about what we are going to have to rebuild when the worst of this pandemic is over. And as Hannah shared last week, for our world, our country and our community, the challenges we face feel similar to the post-war challenge at the end of World War II. Over the last year, we've been confronted by the reality of death and suffering. And people are asking the big questions of life in a way that we haven't seen for decades. Loneliness, isolation, stress, grieving has led to an unprecedented mental health crisis. The education and development of our children and young people has been affected. Many are dealing with terrible financial concerns and many face uncertainty in work. And some are having to think about starting whole new careers. And even when the worst of the effects are overcome, scars will be left which will take time to heal. And more than ever, we will need in our words and our actions to communicate to the community around us the hope that we have, the way that the grace of God through Jesus Christ inspires and frames our whole lives as individuals and a church community. And we've responded as a church to the impact of the pandemic already. We've seen support networks formed. We've seen shopping trips being made. Gifted musicians have emerged and blossomed. The, the All Souls Broadcasting Service has created, being run as I speak from our broadcasting centre just down the road. New speakers have emerged. We've seen the talents of our children and young people develop. Digital skills have been developed. Virtual prayer meetings have started. And at some point, we will emerge into a new world and there'll be much for us to deal with as a church. People will have joined this church over the last year and we haven't had the chance to welcome them properly. People have left our church, including two of our leaders, and we haven't had the chance to send them off in the way we would, would want to. We're out of the habit of meeting together face to face. And so friendships will need to be rekindled. Ministries will need to be rebuilt, including activities that support our children and young people and our more elderly members of the family. And we may have to think of doing things in a totally different way as church as we meet the needs of the community around us. Sarah and I have only been part of the All Souls family for a short time. But we've loved hearing the stories of how the church community was planted, of those who stepped in and re-energised the church. We love watching the interview with Jez Barnes last week, hearing the story of that chapter in our story. And after Easter, we'll welcome a new vicar. We'll be ready to start a new chapter in our story. And as we support Joe and his family, and alongside John and our staff team and our church wardens, we'll have the opportunity to step up. Joe, I'm certain, will appreciate our collaboration and our unity as we pull, pull together to build the next chapter in our story of this church. So as I close, I'd love you to join me in taking time to reflect on what that may, might mean for us individually. Where can we step up? and step in. 
where can we use those skills and experiences that God has blessed us with? Where might God be prompting us to step out into new areas, new ways of serving? When the project report is written of this next upcoming chapter in All Souls, where might our name appear? Well, as we reflect on that now and as we reflect, prepare to reflect this week, Maisie's going to lead us in worship um, as she leads us in the goodness of God.